And now, a message from Payne College. Ms. Carter, thank you very much. Good afternoon. I had uh, a meeting with students a few minutes ago, and I said to them that I have good news and bad news. The good news for them was that Payne is still accredited. That's the good news. Bad news for the media because the story has not changed. Payne College is accredited. Payne College is accredited. Payne College is accredited. I wish I could be more excited about Payne College President Dr. Jerry Hardy's defiance. I wish I could be more excited about Dr. Hardy being lionhearted in the face of uncertainty, in the face of chaos. The reason why I'm not more excited is because I know the ugly truth. And the ugly truth is that paying college is on life support and it's very possible that paying college might die. And if paying college does die, it'll be black folk who killed it. Um, to be a Negro to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Shout out PC one time. Y'all know it's, it's going to always be love for paying college, man. Um, it's just love from, like, from the Making a uh, Difference perspective. It's going to be love for HBCUs in general. Um, you guys know I, I say what needs to be said about HBCUs. You know, um, I have a nine-month-old son when it's time for him to, you know, go to school. You know, I'm going to impress upon him the importance of going to HBCU. That's definitely my preference. Obviously, my son can go, you know you know, wherever he decides. However, my recommendation is going to be an HBCU because I understand what HBCUs uh, can provide in terms of the, the black experience and understand how important that is, especially, you know, from the perspective of higher education is, is truly a game changer. Before I um, really jump into this discussion, I just want to encourage everybody, if you're not following, making a difference on SoundCloud, you can do so right now, soundcloud.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference. Please do that expeditiously, post haste, you guys got a bunch of apps on your phone. If you don't have the SoundCloud app, go ahead and download that SoundCloud. Download that app. And then from there, you can search for making M-A-K-I-N apostrophe a different show. You'll see my handsome face there and you'll be uh, in tune to all the podcasts and presentations that we have. You can also check us out on Facebook. Y'all know good and well. Y'all on Facebook all the time. Facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a different show. Facebook.com backslash making a different show. I be talking a little junk on Twitter too, you know what I'm saying? Go to twitter.com. The handle is difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, making M-A-K-I-N, straight like that. But let's talk about paying college for a minute. The like let's get something clear because I already know when you talk about HBCUs, you know, some of these conversations can be controversial. I know some of these conversations can be very personal to a lot of people because, you know, when it comes to, you know, our schools, when I mean some of us are you know, maybe second, third, fourth generation, you know, attendees of these particular institutions. And so when people say things about schools, like people are like, yo, what, 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 what you talking about? You know what I mean? And I get all that and that's all well and good, but understand 
Like what I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you from the perspective of someone who, you know, had the good fortune and had the opportunity to be able to um, cover. And I'm talking about in terms of provide news coverage um, for, uh, for Pan College for an African-American newspaper in Augusta, Georgia. So a lot of stuff I'm telling you, I'm telling you from the perspective of someone who not only was able to cover it from the perspective of news, but also who has had a chance to work with Payne College alumni, alumni who were influential and are influential uh, in terms of what we're seeing at Payne. But what I I mean, where Payne is at now, I mean, it's just I mean, it's, it's very precarious. Like I said, despite the the energy that Dr. Hardy gave in the press conference, which was basically to say, look, Payne College is still accredited um, despite, you know, what the the local news may have reported yeah Payne college is accredited but that accreditation is on life support here's the long and short of it uh Payne college which is a private hbcu affiliated with the united methodist church and the christian methodist episcopal church was on probation with the southern association of colleges and schools commission on colleges pending a finding a final ruling by u.s district court judge thomas h thrash jr in a lawsuit surrounding an issue this past Thursday, Thrash denied the college's request for a partial summary judgment and granted the commission's motion for a summary judgment. That means Payne, quote, will be removed as an accredited institution of SACS, the accreditor said in a statement. Dr. Hardy's response to that just yesterday, Monday, uh, was that lawyers for the college are, quote, carefully reviewing the order and evaluating the next steps in this litigation. He also said Payne had a claim pending before the court and that an injunction that restored Payne as a Sachs member is, quote, still in effect. He said Payne will, quote, remain a member of Sachs until the court orders otherwise. Now, if you want more uh, on the specifics in terms of, you know, and, and it's kind of a back and forth between Payne and Sachs right now. I have a story that's actually up on the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com backslash making a different show. You can go there and look at a story that we posted from inside higher ed that really, you know, digs into the details uh, of what's going on at Payne College right now and what, you know, some of the, the legalese of it, if you will, it really gets into that. The spirit of my discussion today is really going to go back to um, some of the things that I saw, you know, back in 2010, 2011. Uh, some things that, you know, I was able to see in later years that really uh, spell doom for Payne College. And I just want to start out this conversation by saying that I can trace Payne College's issues. I can trace um, a lot of what what the, some of the things that happened to Payne College for the bad. I can trace it back to one to a single administration. And that was the Bradley Brown administration. That was Dr. George um, Bradley, who was the president at that time. Vice president was Brandon uh, Brandon Brown. I can trace um, a lot of what happened with Payne back to that particular era. Now, the president before, uh, well, the, before the Bradley Brown administration, you had Dr. Lewis. And understand, like what I'm the energy that I'm giving y'all today, I'm giving you energy. You know, obviously, a lot of what I'm saying, but I'm the type of dude that you know when I have ideas, and I am going to speak to alumni. I'm going to speak to people, you know, who really care about the university, who have maybe been in some rooms that have that I haven't been in. And I understand that prior to, you know, Dr. Um, Dr. The Bradley Brown administration, you had Dr. Lewis. Now, the issue of Dr. Lewis was an issue of progressive leadership and maybe not having progressive leadership. But of course, there's a difference in, you know, needing new leadership and maybe needing a new direction for the school versus being on life support. And the reason why pain uh, ended up becoming on life support was because it was stripped of its natural resources. Now, when I say natural resources, the two most important, in, in my estimation, there are three fundamentally important things to the success of a school, to the success of a, a college university. In a particular order, it's enrollment, 
it's finances, it's faculty and staff. And so what we saw during the uh, Bradley Brown administration was we saw it was very strange um, when you start seeing, you know, professors of tenure uh, that, you know, were either being um, were either being fired or they were resigning. Now, when you eliminate, you know, established uh, faculty and staff, uh, you're not only presenting a a challenge of experience, but you're also presenting a challenge of leadership. And these things are done at the expense of the students and really the expense of the community. Not only did you have the issues with faculty and staff, but you also had just severe financial mismanagement uh, to the point that um, the school's endowment was also was almost wiped out because of the activities of this particular administration. Now, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is not new. I mean, there were, you know, extensive reports. There's actually a website and I. I'm just going to tell you tell you guys this. If you're going to, you know, if you're looking for information on, you know, some of the stuff that I'm talking about, you can go to uh, the pain project dot net, uh, T-H-E-P-A-I-N-E project dot net. I would also recommend that you would just look up, you know, like local publica- uh, local publications uh, such as the Metro Spirit uh, to kind of give you just a, a well-rounded um, story of exactly what went on during that time and some of the, the concerns that were being raised by, you know, students and by concerned citizens. Long story short, uh, the activities of the Bradley Brown administration put pain in a situation where she was just very vulnerable. A lot of the concerns raised about the Bradley Brown administration, just to be clear, uh, Dr. Bradley was um, uh, appointed president of Payne College in tw- uh, 2008. Uh, the issues of tenure came up, you know, in 2010, uh, 2011. Dr. Bradley was fired in 2014. But um, lest we forget, you know, there was an incident where a campus student was raped, actually, in 2013 and actually filed a suit against Payne College. So you had all these different things going on where it just seemed like, you know, the, the campus was uh, just totally in upheaval. And, you know, it left the school at a great disadvantage. So, you know, when you, by the time you had people to come in, uh, Dr. Samuel Sullivan, you know, to try to come in and save the school. I mean, they were they were faced with impossible odds, not to mention they were faced, you know, with uh, some you know, some of the folks who were remained or remain or remaining on the board of trustees, you know, who were still, you know, uh, supportive of uh, for whatever reason of, of Dr. Bradley. And so you had some some clashes with Dr. Sullivan and, and the board of trustees. So there was just a lot going on internally at the school that, you know, ultimately has led up to, you know, uh, you know, some of the, the, the current day things that are going on here at Payne. Now, there are a number of things that I want to talk about because I want to talk about I don't I don't like to make blanket statements about black people like, you know, I generally don't don't like to make statements like like the one I made at the beginning of the podcast. But I feel like it's important to make that because I think the story of Payne College is really is the story of a number, a significant number of black colleges, you know, as currently constructed. I've seen some things happen at South Carolina State University. We're watching a similar dynamic happen um, with uh, Bethune Cookman University as we speak. So I think there are just a lot of different things that we need to talk about. I think we need to talk about just uh, black people in general, really, you know, taking pride in what HBCUs represent. It's not just about, you know, Greek organizations. It's not just about step shows. It's not just about, you know, sports. The beautiful thing about HBCUs is that they provide an opportunity to students. When you talk about, you know, uh, earning potential, when you talk about, you know, black pride provides opportunities that otherwise would not be provided to these students. I mean, it really Ideally, the idea of the HBCU closes the gap between the haves and the have nots. That's what it's supposed to do. But that's getting lost. And not only is that getting lost, but HBCUs themselves are getting lost. 
I'm going to continue uh, in this vein because there's so much we need to talk about on this episode of Making a Difference. I'm, we'll be back in about about two minutes. District 5 in all of Aiken County. My name is Juanita Hall. I am a candidate for Aiken County Council District 5 Council seat. On Tuesday, November 6th, I need your vote. I was born and raised in District 5. I am running on the platform of transparency and opportunity. Aiken County is growing in leaps and bounds, but we have to make sure that our rural communities are not left out of the important developments. District 5 needs affordable options for public transportation and garbage collection. We must ensure that taxpayers' funds, especially those from capital projects, are allocated to unserved communities. I believe my participation in local politics and my 42 years of working experience in SRNS have uniquely qualified me to be your councilwoman in District 5. I need just one thing, your vote. Aiken County, I encourage you to vote early. If you are unable to do so, please make sure you get out on election day, which is Tuesday, November the 6th, and vote for me, Juanita Hall. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Uh, we're talking about our reactionary pain. And the reason why the reason why I decided to name the episode is uh, Reactionary Pain is, I mean, I just feel like uh, as a... I, I, I want to say the black community so badly, y'all. I really want to say black community, but the way that we're acting as a group of people is not really a community. There's, you know, so many things that are disjointed. And I'm not saying black people are a monolith or nor do we have to be a monolith. But I just feel like we're just we're, we're torn apart in, in so many different areas in terms of, you know, we even have haves and have nots in the black community. And I just feel like, you know, black people in power, black people with a, in a position to do something for Black people who are impoverished just don't do it with the type of regularity that just up, uplifts black people as a whole. And I think that just kind of flies in the face of, you know, some of what we've seen in the in the past as it relates to HBCUs. You know, I think we're at a, we're at a point where, I mean, if we're just going to keep it a buck, man, a lot of people don't you know, you can exhibit school pride in different ways. But I just think that people don't really care about their school as on the whole until it's like like homecoming. And then outside of homecoming, you know, we really just don't care about schools. We don't care about giving back. You know, we don't care about, you know, some of the kids, you know, who are at these schools now and, and some of the things that they might need to help them get through. We just don't think about things like that. The only time we think about our schools are during, you know, extracurricular events or when our schools are, you know, kind of in these uh, desperate situations, such as the one that paying colleges, uh, the situation that paying colleges in right now uh, in regards to this accreditation. We can do better and I think we must do better. I don't think it's too late for Payne College or any HBCU. I just think there are certain things that you have to take into consideration. Uh, the first thing, I think the first and the most important thing to take into consideration is the fact that we must give back to these institutions, like 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 cash money, like dollars. we got to give to these schools, like period. Um, I went to Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, and I'm just going to say, like, it's kind of a, a regional thing for me. It's just like it's not just about giving back to a school that you necessarily went to. But I think it's just about understanding the role of HBCUs as a whole and understanding that, hey, you know, there's a school that's near me. I understand what HBCUs represent. I want to give to this school or I want to help the school in any way possible. So I think that's important. But it, it's just like everything else. 
it's like, okay, if if I'm going to invest my money in this, then understand when I invest my money, I have a, a, a vested concern. I do have an opinion based on what I've invested. So it's just not just throwing your money at a problem. It's actually assessing and, and, and real and, you know, taking a hard look at what's really going on at a particular institution. And with that, I think you just have to be very critical of leadership and, you know, assess whether, you know, leadership is doing what it needs to do, um, making sure that leadership isn't being co-opted, because this is what I'm saying, you know, in you know, uh, when you look at Georgia, when you look at, you know, South Carolina, when you look at Florida, you're looking at states that are largely dealing with Republican leadership. And so when you when these schools find themselves in financial straits, what they're doing is, is that they're, for lack of a better term, they're selling out to Republican leadership. Now, you have to if you understand the history of historically black colleges and universities, you know, you have to understand that there are certain people, there are certain entities, there are certain organizations that do not want to see black colleges exist, that do not certainly don't want to see them thrive. And so when you when people, you know, when individuals on your board of trustees are willing to not only sell out to these individuals, but to allow some of those individuals to be representative on a board of trustees or to take a leadership role on a board of trustees, you have to understand that you are effectively allowing the destiny of black kids to be affected by people who do not want to see them succeed. So we always have to be mindful of leadership at uh, black colleges and um, and universities. But I think the and, and again, there's just I mean, there's, there's so much to cover. There's so much to address. But I think, you know, we have to make the idea of going to a black college viable. It's not a it's not a second option. It's not a second class option. It's an option that statistically actually works better for African-Americans, because when you look at your advanced degrees, uh, the majority of those for black people come from black colleges. And I believe that's actually true for for bachelor degrees as well. So again, black colleges are viable options. It's just an issue of making sure that they're financially uh, secure, making sure they're financially stable. Now, I also got to tell you guys about what's going on uh, at Bethune-Cookman University. Uh, Hundreds of students uh, skipped class yesterday, yesterday being Monday, to protest the possibility that uh, BCU interim president Hubert Grimes will be fired before the end of the week, costing BCU its accreditation and essentially making their degrees worthless. So here we are. We have another historically black college and university that's uh, having accreditation issues or is at risk of losing its accreditation. Now, according to officials uh, with um, I think this is also Sachs as well. Um, apparently there are reports that says, um, you know, if Grimes is fired, it would have no bearing on, um, on BCU's accreditation, but this goes back actually to the former president's tenure now. And that uh, president was uh, Edison Jackson. Now under Jackson, the school reported 28 million in losses in its last two tax returns following his abrupt retirement in the summer of 2017. The school sued Jackson and other former top administrators alleging corruption and fraud in a dorm deal that will ultimately cost the school three hundred and six million dollars. Now, I knew something wasn't right with uh, the uh, with the brass at BCU when they invited uh, Betsy DeVos uh, to speak uh, at the graduate uh, at the uh, commencement exercises uh, for some of those students. I, something was was foul there. I thought they did those students a huge disservice. But, you know, come to find out that there was a, a lot more going on uh, pres- uh, allegedly under the table than that, man. is I mean, is is a, is a lot to have to stomach. 
But once again, it speaks to the importance of holding leadership accountable. And, you know, as it relates to a black college and university, I mean, that's one of the hard lessons, you know, that that I had to learn in school, man, is that all skin folk ain't kin folk, man. Just because someone is black doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that they have your best interest at heart or at mind. No, that's just some uh, something to think about. I want to talk about the value of an HBCU when we come back and close out this episode. You're listening to Making a Difference. I am Gloria Frazier, and I have been your Georgia State Representative for House District 126 for over a decade. You have trusted me with this awesome responsibility since 2006, and I ask that you trust me once again with your vote in the general election on Tuesday, November the 6th. I could tell you about the various committees I have served on in the State House or the recognition in the form of awards I have received. I would rather much talk about the importance of serving my community. Service that takes a shape in the form of a world-class cyber center and training facility here in Augusta, Georgia. $50 million have been allocated by the state in this facility, which will bring jobs and opportunities to Richmond County. Service that takes shape in the form of dedication to education and affordable health care. Service isn't just about buildings. It's about building up people, whether it's a child in pre-K or a senior citizen. That's why it's so important that you vote for me in November. Involve yourself in the political process, not just when you vote, but also informing yourself about what's going on in your city, your state, and this country. I am grateful for your support in the primary and for the past 13 years. Now I'm asking you to continue your support by re-electing me, Gloria Frazier, as your Georgia State Representative for House District 126, paid for by the committee to re-elect Gloria Frazier. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Mankin. Just want to uh, close out the podcast by talking about the value of HBCUs. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's not, you know, I understand like there are certain elements that make it a black college experience. And I think some of those elements are overstated at times. You know, when you look at just presentations uh, that are representative of, you know, the culture of black colleges, I think I don't think I know when you look at the the struggle of, you know, just even how black colleges were established and even some of the promises that were made to those black schools that have not been fulfilled when you look at, you know, federal funding and different things like that. When you talk about black colleges, you're talking about providing an opportunity to black people, to black students, to people who, you know, might not otherwise be able to afford college that may have uh, found themselves in a situation where, you know, the the academic requirements are more lenient at black colleges. I'm not opposed to that. And the reason why I'm not opposed to that is because I understand that. When you talk about higher education, there's a place for, you know, your your intellectual. There's also a place for the individual who understands the importance of a college education. And I believe that those individuals can coexist. And I believe that when the supposed haves and the supposed have nots are able to coexist and can understand each other and respect each other, that's when you truly have a black community. And that is Ideally, the best of the black community is when you're able to bring everyone together for the purpose of promoting blackness, of promoting black excellence, of promoting, you know, understanding that being black in America isn't being a second class citizen. And so when you 
take away the HBCU, what you take away is, is you take away the opportunity for someone to advance themselves economically. You take it uh, away the opportunity for someone to advance themselves culturally. And it's all the more heartbreaking when, you know, the, the when the opportunities that are being taken away, like those efforts are facilitated by people with black faces. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, black folk would know better, that black folk would do better. But that's not always the case. And as I mentioned earlier, I don't like to make those blanket statements. But when I look at black colleges in general, what I see is, is I see a fa failure of leadership. I see a failure of alumni. I see a failure of just wide ranging government. The hope of the HBCU now rests in the student and the student is not on stable ground. And that's unfortunate. What we have to do is, is if we're going to if we're going to profess to be a culture that cares about our children, if we're going to profess to be a culture that cares about the future, that cares about education, that you know cares about all of these different ideals, then what we have to do as leadership, as alumni, as individuals, as concerned citizens, what we have to do is, is we have to protect these institutions. We have to give money to these institutions. We have to hold people accountable to these institutions, not just at Payne, but abroad. Because as we're seeing at Payne and Bethune-Cookman University, what can happen at one university can happen to another university. What can happen at one college can happen at another college. So we can't just say, oh, that's happening over there. I, um, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to expound on this topic later because I have expounded on it in the past. Uh, you guys can, if you uh, will follow me at, uh, at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N-A difference. You'll see that we did a previous podcast called SMHBCU. I'm um, just talking about, you know, various issues, you know, facing black colleges. These issues are not going away. Um, the way that we can help to alleviate some of these um, these concerns is, again, we have to get actively involved um, on these campuses. We have to get actively involved in uh, raising funds and resources uh, for these uh, facilities uh, for these colleges and universities. We're also, you know, in the midst of, uh, of uh, election season of, of a political season It's not. Look, don't be ashamed to ask your elected officials. What are you doing for historically black colleges and universities? When you understand wealth disparities, when you understand opportunity disparities and you understand that these colleges are providing uh, opportunities for students who otherwise wouldn't have them. Ask your elected officials. Why is it that, you know, government? Why is it that media? Uh, is doing more to uh, take away from these schools than to add to these schools. Why is it that, you know, I don't I don't mind a school reporting on what's going on at a university, but why is it that there's so much more attention to detail when these schools are in financial straits than it is when these schools are uh, giving you information about raising funds and resources at these schools? The time to do better is now. The day of salvation is right now. And with that, we're going to close out this episode of Making a Difference. Uh, you all know, I, th I think the world of you guys listening in. I'm so grateful, man, uh, for everyone, you know, who's supporting the movement. Uh, if you want to get on the email, email list um, to know when all of the podcasts and video logs are coming out, you can do that. You can shoot us an email at making M-A-K-I-N a difference show S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Again, that's making a difference show at gmail.com. And with that, I'm Ken Macon. I love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making a Difference. But the movement doesn't stop here. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show. That's the best way to keep up with all of our podcasts and video logs. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.